My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. <clears throat> Today is the first Sunday of Advent, the period the Church gives us of preparation for the great mystery of the Incarnation. And each year, when this period comes around, it's a new opportunity for us to prepare a little deeper and to delve in a greater way into this great mystery of God becoming man. God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. The second greatest mystery in the whole of our faith, the greatest being the redemption. And so Advent is a time of grace, of prayer, of preparation. Everything in this period speaks to us of preparation. We're going to see that one of the key phrases the church places before us in the liturgy <clears throat> are the words, come Lord Jesus. And so with these words, the church invites Jesus to come, to come into our world, come into our home, to come especially into our heart and soul. And we try to prepare ourselves for that coming with prayer, with penance, with purification. And we have before us the image of the journey of the Holy Family to Bethlehem of how they prepared, of the decree of Caesar Augustus that changed all their plans, of how they had to wrestle with this new development that was to lead them to that decision to go to Bethlehem, to decipher what was the will of God, and then to follow through with their actions, leaving all things behind them, living detachment, practicing humility, looking to the future, putting their faith into practice, and their abandonment and their hope and their trust and so many other things as they prepare to be the family that all families can imitate and look to, especially at this time, to relearn the great lessons of what family life is all about, of having our hearts in the things of God, of being obedient to his will, of not worrying about the ups and downs of this world. And so with great reason, we can unite our prayer to the church and say, come Lord Jesus. The liturgy of Advent is particularly rich. If you follow the words that the priest is saying in the mass each day, we find many beautiful things. If you look out for the, the preface of Advent, the first preface says, now we watch for the day, hoping that the salvation promised us will be ours, when Christ our Lord will come again in his glory. I remember in kindergarten school, the nuns had placed a series of lambs. Each child had a lamb. 
when they were far away from the crib, and each day the lamb went one step forward. If you did something good, you went forward another step. If you did something bad, you went backwards. So each of us had a lamb, and we were approaching the, the stable. Sixty years later, that image is still there. All the little preparations you do these days, day by day, fostering in the minds and hearts of your children that expectation. It's all part of a great spiritual formation which will last them throughout their lives. So that hopefully they will never lose the childlike spirit that the church and our Lord invite us to have at this time. So that we can savour the delights, that new excitement, new joy. And so the whole of Advent is sort of summed up in those words of the liturgy that says, now we watch for the day. Advent is all about watchfulness, of being alert, of having an eye, as though you're expecting some important visitor and like a little child, you're looking out the window, pulling back the curtain to see if there's any sign of that visitor coming. That's what Advent is all about. We're hoping that the salvation promised us will be ours. This is the most important thing. Nothing in the world compares with this. It's the early preparation for the eternal wedding feast. And in the second preface of Advent, it says, in his love, Christ has filled us with joy as we prepare to celebrate his birth. So that when he comes, he may find us watching in prayer our hearts filled with wonder and praise. And so while Advent is a time of penance and purification and preparation, it's also a time of joy because we prepare to celebrate his birth. The whole purpose of our penance and mortification is often to say no to the things of the body and no to the things of this world in order to say yes to the things of our soul, to the great spiritual realities that are the really important ones, the ones will last because our soul is immortal. So that when he comes, he may find us watching in prayer. If you have small children, try and spend a few moments every day saying some special prayer before going to bed at night or something so that your children associate Advent with prayer. And like them, you may be a little child watching in prayer. Our hearts fill with wonder and praise. On certain occasions, the church uses that word wonder. We're invited to wonder, to think out of the box, to think in a deeper way, to dream a little bit. That's what wondering is all about. Somebody said that all philosophy begins with the word wonder. Think again, think on a deeper level. Wondering is a very beautiful thing. Advent is a time for wondering. For wondering about the greatness of this mystery of the incarnation that's about to take place, which we can't quite fathom. Our hearts filled with wonder and praise. There was a a young farm boy once 
who lived in the late 1800s, who'd never seen a circus. And one day a poster went up at school announcing that on the next Saturday, a traveling circus was coming to the nearby town. So he got very excited. He ran home with this great news and asked permission to go. And so on that Saturday morning, he finished his chores early. He stood by the breakfast table, dressed in his Sunday best. His father pulled a dollar bill out of his overalls, the most money the little boy had ever held in his hands. He cautioned him to be careful and then sent him on his way to the town. The boy was so excited, he skipped all the way. As he neared the village, he noticed people lining the streets. He worked his way through the crowd until he could see what was happening. It was a magnificent circus parade. The greatest thing the boy had ever seen. Caged animals snarled as they passed by. Bands played. Acrobats twirled and flipped. While flags and ribbons waved overhead. And finally, the traditional circus clown, with floppy shoes, baggy pants, and brightly painted face, brought up the rear. As the clown passed by, the little boy with the big smile on his face took out his dollar bill, handed it to the clown, turned around, and went home. The boy thought he had seen the circus when he'd only seen the parade. Advent is a reminder that God has more in store for us than just the passing pleasures and the joys of the world's pretty parade. He wants us to go deeper, to experience the fullness of life in his friendship, to fulfill the dream for our lives. That's why he came on earth. And so Pope Benedict, when he was Cardinal Ratzinger, said, Advent is concerned with that very connection between memory and hope, which is so necessary to man. Advent's intention is to awaken the most profound and basic emotional memory within us, namely the memory of God who became a child. And in this period of preparation, Try to awaken in your children that most profound and basic emotional memory so that we never forget, so that the lessons you teach your children get passed on to their children, the customs, the traditions that you have in your family that help to put Christ at the center, remind us what Christian life is all about. The Pope continued, this is a healing memory. It brings hope. The purpose of the church's year is to continually is to continually to rehearse her great history of memories, to awaken the heart's memory so that it can discern the star of hope. Very nice way of describing the liturgical year. Continually to rehearse her great history of memories. Church reminds us of this saint and that saint, of this mystery and that mystery. Our Lady under this title and under that title. Of Christ in this way, through the optical angle of his heart, or in Christ on the cross, or Christ in Bethlehem. Helps to awaken in our hearts this memory so that we can discern the star of hope. He says it's the beautiful task of Advent 
to wake, awaken in all of us the memories of goodness and thus open the doors of hope. One of the great ways that we can prepare for the coming of the Christ child, for this great mystery, is by preparing our soul when we see the world placing so much emphasis on the material preparations for Christmas. It has to remind us of the preparation that I need to make my soul. To make of my soul and my heart a warm place like the stable in Bethlehem. That's what Our Lady and particularly St. Joseph did. They converted this dirty place, smelly, foul, fit for animals, into a focal point of human warmth and family warmth, so that all families in the world for all eternity can warm themselves there, can come to find a peace that the world cannot give. And so it's a great task to prepare our soul. And no better way to prepare our soul than with a good confession. To encourage our family to do the same. And to do a great apostolic confession. If you have a number of children in your neighbourhood, well, see if maybe you can organise an excursion to bring all the children to confession. To do a great good. To clean up many souls or organise it with other families. It all helps to focus on the spiritual realities of Christmas. So that those messages go deeper and deeper into the souls that God has entrusted to you to form. And this Christmas, like all Christmases, is a unique opportunity to do that. So that we ask Our Lady also and St. Joseph on the way to Bethlehem that we might also have the excitement of a child, like that child who went to see the parade. The excitement of a child with the joy of knowing that Jesus is coming. And also to remind ourselves that he comes into our soul regularly in Holy Communion. So that hopefully we don't miss those opportunities. Our soul too can magnify the Lord in all sorts of ways. And so Advent is a very spiritual, or can be a very spiritual time. Good for us to have specific goals, to do specific things. Maybe to get children to help a little more around the house, to do specific jobs. Encourage them to repair the stable in Bethlehem a little bit. There is a spiritual writer of the last century, or two centuries ago, who said that God will reveal himself to your soul in the measure in which you prepare for his coming. The more we prepare, the more he will reveal. The more we prepare our soul, the greater will be the peace and the joy and the spiritual consolations that this period of the world will bring. As we accompany the Holy Family on their journey during these days, we can learn many virtues. Perhaps Our Lady is very recollected, very silent. Maybe she's thinking of Joseph, how good he is. Joseph is walking. He's not complaining about how tired he is or that his feet are killing him. 
all the time his mind and his heart is on Our Lady. This journey is full of sacrifice and difficulties. But all the time they have their, their hearts focused on the great event that is to come. It's all a preparation. And so it's a journey that's full of virtue. We can't accompany them too much. We can't be too close. We'll see all their virtues there, docility, obedience, faith, trust, generosity, holding nothing back, joy, hope, enthusiasm. In spite of the difficulties of the journey, the tiredness, the contradictions, maybe the pain, the concern. Our Lady is not looking back over her shoulder, nostalgically saying, I should have stayed with my mother. She's not lamenting this pilgrimage of faith that she's making to Bethlehem. She's looking forward in her vocation always, and St. Joseph also, because they know that's where the real answers are. Pope St. John Paul liked to say, in Christ we find the meaning and the purpose of our life. Somehow that truth is expressed in every step they make to Bethlehem. John Paul II liked to talk a lot about the, the culture of life and the culture of death. Pope Benedict took that onto a more philosophical plane and he talked about the cult of beauty and the cult of ugliness. Because we are very much involved in the cult of beauty. The world proposes all sorts of ugliness to us. A Christmas is a time of beauty of revealing to your children what authentic beauty is. We find it in Bethlehem. We find it in our faith. We find it in the corporal works of mercy. Very good time to invite your children to go through their toys or presents or books that they got last year or clothes that they haven't used very much and get them to bring them to some poor family that needs those things so much. Teach them generosity. Be demanding on them. It's a beautiful virtue. It's a great virtue for young people to learn when they're young. God loves a generous heart. And it's a great time to teach children that the greatest joys in our life come from giving. God loves the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. And so in Bethlehem, the Christ child gives us so many things. Mary and Joseph on their journey give us so many things. In the Psalms were told how beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news. So this journey is a beautiful journey. There's many aspects of beauty to tell us, to teach us. The angels tell the shepherds, you will find an infant wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. They bring good tidings of great joy. It's all very beautiful. Well, we can ask the Holy Family that everything we do in this period may reflect those good tidings of great joy in our virtue, in our charity. In the struggle we make to practice certain virtues. Cardinal Ratzinger also said, the beauty of Christmas blesses us with the promise of breathtaking happiness. 
and fills us with certainty that people of today will believe if they rediscover authentic beauty. For the Pope to be able to say these things, I often think his own personal Christmases with his humble home in Bavaria in Germany must have been very beautiful. His parents were simple people, people of great faith, holy people. They lived out their Advent and their Christmases in a very spiritual way. They must have done so to leave such an imprint on his heart and soul so that he can transmit this message to the world. And here we are reflecting on it today. It's like a, a message that comes from the beauty of his home at this time. The role of the mother, the role of the father. All of this blesses us with the promise of breathtaking happiness. It's the greatest thing we want for our children, that they would be happy always. Happy in this world and happy forever in heaven. These weeks are an opportunity to teach them how to be happy, where to find our happiness. At times by placing ourselves out on a pilgrimage of faith. One day they'll be called to marriage maybe, or to lead a celibate life, or to serve God in different ways. But their happiness will be found in fulfilling that vocation, in following the will of God. St. Gregory of Nyssa says, every desire for the beautiful, which draws us on in the ascent to the infinite, is intensified by the soul's very progress towards it. Our desire for the beautiful becomes intensified by our progress towards it. The desires of Joseph and Mary for the Christ child, for the incarnation, increase as they go closer to Bethlehem. And he says, this is the real meaning of seeing God. Never to have this desire satisfied but fixing our eyes on those things which help us to see. We must ever keep alive in us the desire to see more and more. And so no limit can be set to our progress towards God, because no limitation can be put upon the beautiful. Pope St. John Paul liked to say that we go to the great spiritual messages through physical signs and symbols. Christmas is a time that's full of physical signs and symbols. We can realize their great importance. A message enters through our eyes and through our ears, through the carols, the Christmas tree, the crib, the Christmas card maybe, decorations, all these little things, Christmas lights, Christmas candles, all these things speak a message. We go to the great spiritual messages through physical signs and symbols. And so the smallest of children may not grasp in any great way the great mystery of the incarnation. But somehow they see in a candle or in a carol some special representation of those deeper mysteries. It's through the carol and the candle or the crib that they penetrate into the stable in Bethlehem. And so we need to fix our eyes, our mind, and our heart on the beautiful in art and in culture. 
And so St. Josemaria in Christ's Blessing by says, every Christian home should be a place of peace and serenity. In spite, in spite of the small frustrations of daily life, an atmosphere of profound and sincere affection should reign there, together with a deep-rooted calm, which is the result of authentic faith that's put into practice. I often think this is one of the most beautiful descriptions that St. Thomas Maria has written about a Christian home, a place of peace and serenity. We find it in Christ is Passing By, I think it's in Joseph's workshop. And so we can wonder at the incarnation. In the preface of Christmas, we're told that in the wonder of the incarnation, your eternal word has brought to the eyes of faith, the eyes of faith, a new and radiant vision of your glory. In him, we see our God made visible. And so are caught up in the love of the God we cannot see. Through the visible, we go to the invisible, John Paul liked to say. And so that visible Christ child, or the figures, or the crib, send that message to your children so that they can enter into this great mystery. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says that no one whether shepherd or wise man, can approach God here below, except by kneeling before the manger of Bethlehem and adoring him hidden in the weakness of a newborn child. Christ did not just become man, Christ became a baby. And every small child somehow recognizes a baby. They know what a baby is. And so our Lord invites us to become like little children once again. Unless you become like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so we could try to live out this time of Advent as a time of joy and happiness as we await the coming of the King. All the carols can lead us to pray. The spirit of Advent is expressed well in the parable of the prudent virgins, where the bridesmaids were anxiously awaiting the coming of the bridegroom. They have their lamps lit, lamps burning brightly. Every mother and father of a family could be thinking outside the box. How can I prepare my family for Christmas? What can we do these days? There's a profound joy at the bridegroom's expected coming. But at the same time, there's a, a warning of the need for preparation that echoes through the parable. And then the prayer of Advent is still, Come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransomed captive Israel. And so all of these carols, they have a, a message behind them. They lead us to join the Holy Family on their, on their journey. 
we're told in the furrow Christmas time, you write, together with the holy expectation of Mary and Joseph, I also await the child impatiently. How happy I shall feel at Bethlehem. I have a feeling that I won't be able to contain this joy without bounds. Yes, but with him, I also want to be born anew. Advent is a time to be born again. We Catholics are very much born again, born again at baptism, born again with every confession, every Holy Communion. Each day with our prayer, we begin again. We can think a little bit about how does God want me to begin again in my spiritual life during these days, or in my family life, or in my marriage. Ask our lady, he says, along with me, to make it come true. Try to imagine how she spent these months waiting for her son to be born. And Our Lady, Holy Mary, will make of you another Christ, Christ himself. We're told in the forge, bring out your spirit of mortification. In those nice touches of charity, eager to make the way of sanctity in the midst of the world attractive for everyone. Sometimes a smile can be the best proof of a spirit of penance. And so we can live our advent in the ordinary things of family life, making life a little more pleasant for the people around us. That's how Joseph and Mary must have lived their journey to Bethlehem. Mary thinking of how I can make this journey a little easier for Joseph. And Joseph all the time thinking of Our Lady and the Christ child. How can I help them on this journey so as to make it happen all the better and all the sooner? I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations that you have communicated to me during this meditation. I ask your help to put them into practice. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.